Merry Christmas! What do you think? Huh? Uh, wanted to bring a little flavor here, a little flavor flav up in the house. And uh, so uh, we're so glad you're here. My name's Chris, and uh, we're excited to see what God's going to do today. And uh, I'd like to invite you to uh, pull out your smartphone for just a second. So if you could pull out your smartphone, and if you could uh, go ahead and click on Facebook, not that any of you ever do that, so I'm sure you'll be able to do that. But if you could click on Facebook to the JAR Community Church Facebook page, and at the top we pinned our invitation for Christmas Eve tomorrow. So what I'd like you to do is to go ahead and to share this with all of your friends. So go on to the JAR Facebook page and just share this uh, tomorrow, 2.30 and 4 o'clock. We're looking forward to what God's going to do. And we'll give you a little Christmas music uh, for you to do this. So go ahead, get your phone out, do it now. Frosty the snowman There's a fairy tale they say He was made of snow But the children know How it came to life one day There must have been some magic In that old top hat they found For when they placed it on his head He began to dance around Old Frosty the snowman With a liar as he could be And the children say He could laugh and play Just the same as you and me And uh, do that And if you haven't done that yet uh, That'd be great Uh, If you get bored later on in the celebration I've gone through this once So you might Um then uh, you can just pull it out and you can just tell people, hey, you know, that's what I'm doing. Uh, so before we dive into the uh, teaching today, I would just like to uh, have some prayer and then we'll jump in. Well, God, we thank you so much for this day. And we thank you, God, for the worship that we've been able to do uh, to lift your name up. And we thank you, God, for sending your son from heaven to earth. And right now, God, we'd ask that you would speak to us. We want to hear from you. That in the midst of all the chaos and the noise of Christmas, God, we really do want to hear from you. So come now, Lord, move in this place. Would you move in people's lives and persuade them in a way that I can't even do so that your name would be made great and people would be drawn closer to you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is everybody ready for Christmas to be here? Okay, that was a lot better than the first celebration, but still, not everyone is excited, okay? And the reason why is that I have a feeling that many of you are kind of stressed out. You have this long to-do list, and you still have stuff to do, and it hasn't been completed yet. Um, How many of you are done with your shopping? Raise your hand. Okay? How many of you haven't started shopping? Raise your hand. Okay, yeah. Be honest, be honest. I feel you, I feel you. Well, no matter what, uh, Christmas can be a challenging and it can be a very stressful time, even in the midst of all the joy and the excitement. And I actually was reading a story this week about a guy who um, decided that he was going to take some of the stress out of his Christmas, and so he decided he wasn't going to send any Christmas cards. And he was 
fine with that until a couple days before Christmas, he started getting inundated with all of these Christmas cards. And he started feeling guilty. Like all my family and friends, are, they're sending me all this Christmas card stuff, and I haven't sent any. So he went to the store, and he bought just a box of Christmas cards. He, he wasn't sure exactly um, you know, how many he needed. He thought about 40, so he picked a 50 kind of Christmas card uh, box, and he took it home. He filled them all out, put them in the envelopes, went to the post office, mailed them off, and then came back home. And when he got back home, he realized that he had not really bothered to look to see what was inside the card. And when he opened up the card, uh, one that he had saved, it said this, this cheery card is just to say a gift from me is on the way. (laughs) So now the problem is, now the poor guy has to go out and buy 40 gifts, you know, for everybody. Well, folks, no matter who you are, there's no stopping Christmas. It's coming in two days whether you're ready for it or not. Now, some of you might have a spouse or a significant other, and uh, they would come up to you, and maybe they have, and they've said, oh, don't get me anything. Just being with you is enough. Because you complete me. Guess what? They're lying. (laughs) They are lying, okay? Uh, No, they're expecting something. And if you want a miserable Christmas then just don't have anything for them on that day. Now, folks, no matter who you are, I just want you to know, though, Christmas is coming in two days. It's going to be here whether you're ready for it or not. Now, for some of you, the issue isn't shopping or sending out Christmas cards, but it's family. Some of you have a family member like this guy, (laughs) Cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation. If you haven't watched Christmas Vacation yet, You're not an American, okay? So you need to do that before it's done. But some of you have relatives like Eddie, and you're opening your home to have all these people come into your house that you don't even like. And somehow you're going to have to make it work, and it's going to happen. Others of you are going to be traveling hundreds of miles to go see family who drive you crazy. And uh, when my wife Jennifer and I, when we first got married, uh, one of the things we decided was, uh, you know, what are we going to do about Christmas? Because both sets of parents wanted us to be at the same place at the same time. And so my wife, as loving as she is, she just said, well, honey, I'll, I'll kind of develop a holiday kind of schedule and we'll di- divide all the, the uh, holidays up. And so this was Jen's family's Christmas that she divided up. Christmas, Easter, Thanksgiving, Fourth of July, Memorial Day. And you might be thinking at this point, like, what's left? You know what's left? Well, there was a lot left, and this is what my family got that first year. Halloween, Arbor Day, Earth Day, Flag Day, Groundhog Day, okay? (laughs) But I'll tell you what, you know, I just went with it because I was young and dumb, and the reality is, is we this year we'll celebrate 25 years of marriage, and I realized, happy wife, happy life. You know, it's just, that's the way it is. Now, if you're a newly married couple, do not do that, okay? Or if you do, just say that Chuck Mock, our Celebrate Recovery, that was the advice, that was the advice he gave to you. Well, folks, again, just two days, and it's going to be here. And whether you want to admit it or not, the reality is when it comes to Christmas, folks, there is a darker side. There's a more challenging side. There's a stressful side. According to a poll that I uh, looked up this week, 
45% of all Americans don't even want Christmas to come. They actually kind of wish that it just went from Thanksgiving to the new year. In other words, one out of every two of us in this auditorium really aren't too excited about Christmas. We just want it to bypass. And the question becomes, well, why? You know, why is that? Well, I don't think it's because of busyness, because the reality is we're busy all year round. I don't think it's because of family drama, because the reality is we have family drama all year round. I don't think it's because of the shopping. I don't think it's because of the travel. I don't think it's because of the stress. But I think there's something that's much deeper below the surface, something that we actually try to bury and don't attend to, something about the noise of Christmas and the Christmas season that it can't even cover it up. And you know what I think the the thing is that we struggle with the most around this time of year? It's this word right here, silence. You and I struggle with the silence of Christmas. Now, some of you might be thinking, silence? There's nothing about silence with Christmas. It's the noisiest my house ever is. Well, I'm not talking about audible or physical uh, silence. But what, what I'm talking about is the silence of God. I'm talking about prayers and prayers and prayers that you have prayed and prayed and prayed and you haven't got the answer, at least not the answer that you see or the answer that you want. I'm talking about hopes that you've had for this entire year and the year's coming down to the end and the reality is that you don't see it coming. It's unfulfilled. I'm talking about difficulty or disappointment that often comes along with this time of year, either with your job or a relationship or a loved one or a circumstance that's going on in your life. And when this kind of stuff happens, the Christmas season can feel very stressful and very painful and very difficult. Maybe today you're sitting there and you're like, you know what, 2018 was tough. And as much as I can see and as much as I think about it, I don't think 2019 is going to be much better. Folks, Christmas can be a very fun time of year. I love Christmas. But the truth is, Christmas can be a very difficult time of year too because it's a time that we often wonder in the recesses of our heart. We don't say it out loud. We don't say it at church. But in our heart, there are times that we start wondering, God, are you really there? God, are you listening? God, are you with me? God, are you present? God, are you seeing what's going down here on earth. Now this whole month we've been in a, a series called What Are You Waiting For? I mean, no one likes to wait. And yet the Christmas season is that silence comes and sometimes there's some waiting. Research tells us that even really long waits can actually be tolerable if we know how long that we have to wait. If we just knew exactly how long we would have to wait for this thing or that thing or the other thing to actually transpire and things to take shape, then I would be okay. It's why there's countdown clocks at airports or at amusement parks. It's why there's, you know, at the BMV you take a ticket or if you go to the deli at Walmart or somewhere else, you get a number and you take a ticket. You see, studies show that the waiting isn't the issue as long as we know how long we have to wait. You see, the real pain of waiting is not having to wait. It's not knowing how long. 
How long, God? And isn't that true for our life? For example, if you're single, you're like, hey, I really want a relationship in my life, and I'm willing to wait, God. I just want to know how long. Maybe for others of you, you've had some kind of disagreement or argument with someone in your family. Maybe it's a mom, maybe it's a dad, maybe it's a brother, sister, maybe it's your son, maybe it's your daughter. And you're like, God, I've been praying, I've been praying that something would come back together and I'm still waiting. But how long, God, until this thing gets righted? Maybe for others of you, it's finding a new job or you have a transition with the job. Like, when is that going to happen? Maybe for others of you, it's healing from some pain or illness or finding freedom from your worry or stress or grief because you lost a loved one this year. And it's like, I don't even want to see Christmas because it's the first Christmas without my dad, without my mom, without my brother, without my sister. And it's just that we're waiting, that it's that you look ahead and you just wonder. You're like, I'm waiting, but when I look ahead, God, I just don't see change coming. In the book of Psalms, the, which is in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, the author of Psalms uh, actually cries out in a prayer And this is what he says, see if you can relate. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Have you ever prayed that prayer before? Have you ever prayed, like, how long, God, until this gets put back together? You see, folks, the problem with our relationship with God is that there's no countdown clock. There's no ticket that you can take. There's no way to know if or when or how something's going to change, whether that's tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or next decade. Sometimes there's just silence. And the silence changes us. The silence actually impacts us. I recently read about a uh, woman who uh, was so excited to give birth to a child, and when the child came, the baby died. It was a stillborn death. And it was particularly tragic for this family. It's just unspeakable if you've known anyone or experienced that. You see, early on in her life, she had been diagnosed with a condition that she was never to have children. And so they just kind of set up their life like that. And then all of a sudden, they finally get pregnant. And they're celebrating the gift of this miracle until the child dies. And then, the miracle was actually a tragedy. And according to her, this is what she said. She said, God became silent. God was silent. There was no relief, there was no miracle, there was no hope on the horizon. It changed her life. And listen to the way that she described it, what happened to her faith along the way. She said, I used to be fired up with Christ. And poured myself into my faith. But now, I feel nothing toward God. My husband and I, we used to be really close, and now it feels like we're strangers. Church used to be exciting, but now it's a bore to even go. I used to love to read my Bible and to pray, but now I find it both laborious and aggravating. I just feel dead. Folks, 
you see, the, the truth is those are the stories that are beneath the surface of what happens in Christmas. Those are the real-life situations with real people of what they're going on in their life. Even in the midst of the decoration and the Christmas trees and the ornaments and all of the cheer. And maybe, just maybe, you can relate to that story. Maybe you can't, but there will be a time in your life when the holiday is coming, when Christmas is there, and you feel this loneliness. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Job who um, lost his family, he lost his health, he lost his livelihood. He lost everything, and this is what he prays to God. He cries out one day. He says, I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you merely Look at me. The guy is calling out in silence, but it's like there's nothing that is being told to him. And he starts asking, God, where are you? Where are you? Are you going to answer me? Are you listening? And that's what it feels like. That sometimes you prayed and you prayed and you prayed, and the only thing you get is silence. Now, some of you know the, uh, the Bible actually is uh, broken up into two parts. first part is the Old Testament. The second part is the New Testament. And uh, the very last uh, kind of book of the Old Testament is a book called Malachi. And the very first book of the New Testament is called Matthew. And if you were to turn to there, you would get to the very last chapter of Matthew and, or the very last chapter of Malachi. And when you turn the page... When you turn the page to go from Malachi to Matthew, when we read it, many times we think, well, it immediately happened. That one turn of the page, though, folks, was 400 years. And you know what? God was silent. There was no inspirational writing. There were no prophets. There's no writing that we have. It was silence to God's people. And in those 400 years, you could imagine that people would be crying out, you know, where are you, God? You weren't there for my great-grandfather or my grandfather, and now not for me, and now for my kids. These generations of just God being silent. How many times, you know, have we cried out and we spill that silence, but now all of a sudden multiply that by 400 years of asking God and God clearly not saying anything. Well, that's what I want you to know is leading up to the Christmas story. That's the way that people are living their life. One pastor uh, put it this way. He said the Christmas story is not about one silent night. It's about something that happens after 400 years of silent nights. But after the 400 years, something happens. After 400 years of silence and darkness and doubt, of people saying things to God and crying out that they'd never say in church or the temple, it's in the midst of all of this kind of context, something happened. And I want to tell you about that something that happened. It's in Luke chapter 2, and this is what it says. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. It was really no different than any of the other silent nights that they had had. 400 years of them. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Well, you can imagine they'd be terrified. They had not heard from God in 400 years, and now all of a sudden there's an angel that comes, and look what the angel said to them. Let's all say this out loud. These uh, four words. What's it say? Do not be afraid. Let's say it again. Do not be afraid. Now, the question becomes, why in the world did the angel have to say, don't be afraid? Well, if an angel comes to you, guess what? You're going to be afraid. You know, I just don't understand it. If you look in the Bible, both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, when angels came, people were afraid. And the reason is, is because it's the presence of God in your midst. I mean, you know, in modern times, people will come up and they'll say things like, oh, there was an angel that came. And the angel was so loving and kind and it was so white and I, I felt this hug. It was almost as if the angel were picking me up and holding me. I don't know what kind of angel they're talking about, but it's not a Bible angel. When Bible angels showed up, folks... The first thing people did was they fell to their knees and they were, what? Afraid. Because these were big, large, the presence of God coming to them and they were afraid. Even when God was not trying to make people so much afraid and He would like dial down the angel to like a number one. You know, when the angel like actually shows up, because it's God, they all fell to their knees and they were afraid. I have a feeling that if an angel appeared to you or to me, you know the first thing we would do? Oh, I'm starting to confess my sin right now. I'm sorry. Oh man, I was mad at my wife. I was mad at my husband. Sorry about this. Oh, angel. Oh my. Woo. I'm afraid. And the angel finally, once he hears all the confessing from us, I'm sure the angel would be kind of like, shut up, I've got good news to tell you, you know? Like, this thing isn't even about you. So here's what the angel said. Do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for how many people? How many? Even Cousin Eddie, okay? There's good news for everybody. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Now the whole reason why Christ is born is not simply to bring good news, but it's to bring good news to people who have felt the silence of God for 400 years. But it's not just that. It's the Christmas story that actually helps us to finally understand silence. It speaks to us what God is doing even in the midst of silence. And it's our big idea today. It's the only thing you have to write down. You can write it in your program or go to our app. And this is the big idea today. God's silence does not mean God is absent. Just because God is silent, it does not mean that God is absent. You know, a lot of times when I feel like God is silent and He's not answering me, I'll just kind of cry out like, God, where are you? Are you listening to me? Are you with someone who's better than me? God, why are you so far away? Would you rather be with someone else? 
And folks, silence does not mean that God is absent. Now, this whole reason why we know this is because in the Scripture it says that I will give you a sign. Now, when you hear this concept of a sign, you might think to yourself, well, that's no big deal. But in biblical language, it's really important. Because 700 years before, there was a guy by the name of Isaiah who points all of Israel to who this God is going to be. He said about this to the coming Messiah. He said, therefore, the Lord himself will give you, what's it say? A sign, just like the angels came. 700 years before, this guy said this, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. And that word Emmanuel means that God is with us. That even when God is silent, God is with us. He's for us. He's always got our back. You see, 700 years before Jesus, before the season of silence, the prophet says, you need to know you're not going to be alone. It will not be silent forever. And even when it is silent, God is still with you because God is for you. Christmas doesn't tell us anything new about God. It's just confirming that God is with us even when it's silent. Sometimes I think what happens with Christmas is uh, people will actually say, well, I think the way it all kind of worked out is that God kind of, you know, corrected something about himself. He had all these years where, you know, people were messing up and he had to correct something and he felt far away from his people and, you know, he wasn't too connected with humanity and he's, you know, busy doing other things. And finally at Christmas, he kind of feels bad for all the human beings and he comes down and he shows up with kind of like, hey guys, I got some good news. No! No, 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 that's not it. Jesus came to show us who God is because it's who he's been all along. He makes us aware of the fact that we don't have to believe in silence being absence from God, but God is with us always because he is Emmanuel. I mean, it's the most fundamental thing about God's character, folks, is not that he forgives you, not that he loves you, not that he rose from the dead, even though all those things happen. The most fundamental thing about God's character is he is with you. He's with you when you're good, when you're bad, in the ugly, in the beautiful. He's with you always. He never, ever leaves you. You can even leave him and walk away, and he will never leave you. The angel tells us that Jesus came to remind us that even in the darkness, even in the silence, even when we're afraid, God still comes as Emmanuel because he never left us. He's just reminding us, I'm still with you. And folks, this sign, this sign, God is with you. Emmanuel is present. That in the silence, it does not mean that God is absent. In fact, it's actually a sign that God is doing something bigger. When God is silent, what you should realize, he's doing something bigger, something greater, something that you can't expect, something you're not prepared for, something that you couldn't count on. I mean, for 400 years, they thought God was silent. They were living in the darkness, but God was doing a work behind the scenes that they couldn't see. And Christmas reminds us that God is always at work even when we can't see it. He is always showing up when we least expect it. I read a story this week uh, about a woman by the name of Carol 
who within a matter of one year, she lost two of her best friends who took their lives. They committed suicide. And she's devastated. And she's overwhelmed. But she was a Christ follower, and so she prays to God and says, God, would you just help me to help someone else not to ever get to that point that my friends were at? And a few weeks later, uh, Carol picks up the phone and she calls, and she called the wrong number. And she gets a number of someone that's on the East Coast. And uh, she said, hey, this is Carol. She goes, I don't know you. And uh, the person on the other end was named Sue. And uh, she could tell that Sue was kind of discouraged. And so she listened to her and she encouraged her. And finally, at the end of the conversation, Sue said, well, can we do this next week? Could we talk more? And week after week after week, they did this. They talked about their life. They talked about family. They talked about relationships, about love, about doubt, about faith. And finally, because Carol was a Christ follower, she had the moment to kind of share about her faith in Christ. And so a year kind of goes by, and they uh, don't talk to each other as much, but they built up a friendship, and Carol was going on a business trip on the East Coast. And so when she got there, she called Sue, and she said, hey, let's get together for dinner. Let's actually go ahead and get together. And they go out for dinner, and then Sue proceeded to tell her a story that she had never told anyone in her life. She said, a year earlier, I was so lonely and so depressed that I got in my car and I was driving to a bridge and I was going to jump off the bridge and end my life. She said, when I got halfway to the bridge, I ran out of gas. You might call it divine interruption. And... She said, I had to wait for someone to come. And they said, well, we're going to have to take your car back to your house and we'll get it, you know, gassed up and everything. And so she goes back home and she gets home and she's so discouraged and so upset. I can't even end my life. That's how bad of a person I am. That's how discouraged she was. And about that time, a phone call comes to her. And guess who it was? It was Carol. She had the wrong number. And it was in that conversation that Sue finally had new hope. And there was a conversation for her to get connected to a church, and she shared about Christ. And for the whole year, Carol is over here mourning the grief of two of her friends, and she lifts up a prayer, and she doesn't see any movement. Nothing is changing. She's wrestling with all of this. She had no idea what God was doing behind the scenes. But God was present. And she couldn't see it. And he showed up when she least expected it. There's a writer by the name of Ben Patterson, and this is what he says. He says, what we see God doing is never as good as what we don't see. You see, what we see God doing is never quite as good as what we don't see. In other words, the things that he's doing behind the scenes, the things he's doing that we're unaware of, the things that he's doing that we just couldn't expect, are amazing. For example, think about the resurrection. No one ever actually saw it. They saw Jesus put on a cross. They saw him put into a tomb. They saw the stone rolled away. They saw him alive after that. But nobody ever actually saw him Come up out of the tomb. 
Folks, what you need to remember is that God is always doing things behind the scenes that you cannot see. And most of the time, it's better than what you actually see. It's never as good behind the scenes. Or it's never as good in front of the scenes as it is behind. I mean, the reality is, God is at work in every single person's life that's in this auditorium today. And the things that you see are not the greatest things that God is doing right now. Now, maybe there are some of you, though, that you've been waiting on God to show up. You've been praying and praying and praying about a certain thing, and you see no evidence of it. And I want you to know today, God is at work in your life, even if you can't see it. Maybe some of you are grieving the loss of someone this Christmas, and you're like, how am I ever going to have peace in my life? How are things ever going to be any different? I want you to know God is at work even when you can't see it. Maybe some of you are hurting in a relationship, in your family, a coworker, a friend. It's broken. I'm telling you, God is at work in ways that you cannot see. And the reality is, you can't do this life alone and be isolated because eventually you will just give up. And so the key that I want to give to you as something that you could apply to your life this next year is to be a part of a small group. You see, when you're alone and you feel silence and you go, hey, God is silent, you need some people around you who are actually going to be able to come around and say, when God is silent, it doesn't mean He's absent. One of the reasons why I love my small group is not only the people, but on the moments of my life when I'm discouraged and I feel like there's only a silence from God, there are people around me who remind me, hey, Chris, 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 even though God's silent, he doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that he's absent, that we are here, hands and feet. And so for some of you, you could maybe uh, pull out your Connect card today and you could look at the bottom and it says to receive from some information about small groups. I don't know why, if you're a Christ follower, why you would not choose to have some people around you who would encourage you and love you and build you up when you feel like God is silent. And today, after the celebration, if you want to, you can go back to the back far right corner and you could start off your new year by getting involved in a small group so that when you feel like God is silent, you realize He's never absent. I mean, I'm telling you the power of this. There's a a woman in our church who uh, actually... Um, got so sick that they had to put her into a coma uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, her small group, when I got to the hospital, they were all there for her, and they were praying and discerning. And my wife's a doctor, and she told me, Chris, this doesn't look good. Like, if she recovers, it's going to take forever. And I'm telling you, she's here at church today, and she's up in the balcony And God has remarkably done something in her life where she's 95% restored. And it's because when she fell and her husband fell and I was in that room, that God was silent. God was never, ever, ever absent. (laughs) Folks, just because you can't see it doesn't mean that it's not happening. Some of you may have a loved one or a friend who you've kind of written off from God. You've kind of said, you know what, there's no way God's ever going to work in their life. I'm just going to give up on this person. Folks, you know what? I bet I've invited 30 people this week to our Christmas Eve celebration. Personally invited them. And all 30 aren't going to show up. 
But I just choose, I refuse to believe that God is not about bringing people into a relationship with Him and that He'll do anything. And He's simply asking me to pray, to invest, to reach out to them. Keep praying. Keep doing something. Don't give up on people. Some of you have a friend or a loved one who's struggling or they're suffering right now. I have a friend right now. She's down with her mom who has fourth stage cancer in Kentucky today. And uh, it doesn't look good. And yet my friend is a new believer and she's praying and believing that God's going to do something and I know that God can. But I'll tell you, there's a temptation within me that feels like, you know what, I don't want her to get her hopes up too much. Folks, the Christmas story is that God is at work even when you can't see it. The prophet Isaiah, who predicted the birth of Jesus, one day he goes to God and this is what God said to him. He said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, Isaiah, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Here God is saying that even in the midst of silence and darkness, when you don't get an answer, when it doesn't seem logical, when you think there's no way out, there's no hope, there's no possibility, His thoughts are not your thoughts, folks. His ways are not your ways. Folks, God is not limited to what you believe is possible. (laughs) Think about that. God is not limited to what you think is possible. Even in the silence, God is not limited by what you think is possible. That's the whole Christmas story. 400 years they wait. They think He's never going to speak. And maybe for some of you, you just need to hear that today. You see, here's the thing. This applies to all of us. Is that no matter how messy your life is, you may have a tendency to go, you know, I think the reason why God is silent is because I've messed up too much. I've flubbed up. I've screwed up in this thing called life. That He has moved on to be with better people and more religious people than me. Folks, Who were the people that the angel came to at the very first part of the Christmas story? Who was it? Who? Shepherds. And we talked about shepherds. Remember the shepherds? The shepherds were not priests or scribes or pastors or religious leaders. And the angel came to them. Shepherds were the lowest level rung in society. They were lying, cheating thieves. If you had a shepherd around you, you held on to your wallet because they were going to try to steal it. They would take your sheep. They would take sheep to your field. They were not the people that you would think. And yet in the Christmas story, Jesus did not come for the perfect people or the perfect families or people with great resumes or religious backgrounds. Christmas came to the most unlikely, unexpecting, fearful, distrusting, doubting, despairing people, the ones outside the temple, outside the church. He came to the ones who you would least suspect Him to come to. Christmas actually came into darkness, into the silence. Christmas came to people who were tempted to believe the reason God is silent is because I'm not worth saving. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you were invited to this place today or you came because you saw a billboard or a radio commercial. And maybe the thing that is in your mind more than anything else is that I'm beyond reach. I'm beyond hope. I'm beyond saving. Maybe there's some pain that you're going through right now that is so great that you're like, well, I probably deserve it. 
Maybe you think that compared to some other people around you whose lives seem like they're all together, you just don't deserve this relationship. Folks, it's in the place that God breaks silence is where we're at our weakest. It's in that place, in in the silence, in the darkness, that God actually shows up. You see, folks, the shepherds were not just given a sign because a sign doesn't do much. People come up, hey, I got this sign, I got this sign. They gave the shepherds a promise, a commitment that would come. And the angel said, you will find him, you will find him, you will find him, you will find him, you will find him. There will be a sign. But it really was a promise of Christmas. That in the darkness, in the doubt, in the discouragement, in the loss, in your job, with your family, in the heartbreak, in the midst of your addiction, in the midst of your loss, in the midst of your greed, you can still find God. No matter how far you've been from Him, no matter how silent your nights have been, you can expect it from Him that He will find you because He is seeking you because you're His child and He loves you more than anything else. He is for you. He's with you. He loves you. And my prayer this Christmas for every single one of you is that you would finally recognize how high and how wide and how deep and how far God's love is for you. Let's stand.